Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we look into your word, we ask that you will just reveal yourself to us even the more. And that the word will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that we will grow thereby. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are into a new series for this season, the Lenten season. And I love this graphic because it's the series is called Empty and Emptied and Filled, which is could seem to be a contradiction, but as we go along, you'll see that it is not. And the subtitle that I actually came up with for this is overall called The Real, but we're going to be talking about different realities here in a moment. As I said previously that the time of Lent was a time when 40 days before the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead was a time in their early church days where they would fast and begin to get focused on the celebration of that event. And so, my opening thought for today is this. Fasting and spiritual disciplines during Lent have the same purpose as the law. Not saving or justifying us, but revealing our sinful nature and our need for salvation. Now, by adopting a spiritual discipline or observing a fast, we are reminded of our sin and directed toward reliance on our Savior. And so our first episode, I came up with the subtitle, The Real Real. The Real Real. And our definitions for today are this, Lent. Lent is the quadrigismatal fast or fast of 40 days observed by the Christian church before Easter, the festival of our Savior's resurrection. It begins on Ash Wednesday and continues till Easter. The word empty, empty means containing nothing or nothing but air. Filled, filled is made full, supplied with abundance. And real, real is actually being or existing, not fictitious or imaginary. True, genuine, not artificial, counterfeit or fictitious. Let us go to Romans, the third chapter. And we're going to start at this ninth verse. This is the English Standard Version of the Bible. Romans 3, verse 9, we're going to go all the way down to 20. And it says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? This is Paul speaking. No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. 
No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and blameless. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and mis misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to, to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Let's jump over to the Psalms, Psalms, the 14th chapter. This is Psalms 14, starting at verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You should shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. You would shame the plans of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel will come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Joseph, Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our heart in Jesus' name. Now, I want to bring out a very important fact that everyone falls under this umbrella. The Bible also emphasizes that we have all sinned and come short of God's glorious standard. Now, the word all means complete. It means all. There's no one that has not fallen short of that glorious standard. This makes me think of a story I heard one time. There was a man who was an atheist, and he decided that he was going to sue the United States because they did not have a, a holiday for atheists. We got all these Christian holidays, and we don't have a holiday for atheists. So it goes all the way up to the circuit court and it's a single judge sitting on the bench. And he gets up and he does his presentation. And the judge says, I'm throwing this out. And the atheist got upset and said, what do you mean you're throwing this out? He says, because the Bible says that there is a holiday for the atheist. And he says, what are you talking about? He says, it says in Psalms 14 and 1, 
the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So your holiday is April 1st, April Fool's Day. All right. I know I made it sound serious. Okay, sorry, that joke, that joke didn't go over as, as I thought it would. All right. But, but my point is this, that it is impossible, impossible for us not to believe that there is something greater than us that is man managing this whole galaxy. And the management of the galaxy to the point whereby the earth happens to be just the right balance for human life in order to be on it. And if the Bible says that we have all sinned and come short of God's glorious standard, then how can I say that I have not sinned unless my favorite day of the year is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Because a fool says in his heart, notice it says in his heart, it does not say in his mouth, it does not say in his actions, it says in his heart. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So if you are foolish in your heart, then you'll be foolish in your conduct. And so we want to realize that during this Lenten time, during this time where we should be bringing our mind in and focusing on Jesus coming, dying, uh, and being resurrected by the power of God, that we need him more than he needs us. We were on a path of death and destruction. We are on a path of total separation from God. However, God had a contingency plan in place. And see, the, the problem is, the reason it's called the real real is because the real is that Jesus loves you, but the real real is you are a sinner and need God. We all happy about God, his love, and all his other stuff, and I don't mean to demean it, but I, my, my point is that we are deficient unless we are in Christ Jesus. Until you accept Jesus into your life, you are deficient. It don't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter what you achieve. It does not matter until you become all that God has called for you to be. And so we have to pull ourselves back and realize that we are not all that in a bag of chips because we have a deficiency. Now, society has taught us how to conduct ourselves and how to stand properly, how to uh, speak properly, and how to conduct ourselves properly, but that's just a facade. Because there's a deficiency of sin in your life, guess what always happens? It always shows up. It always shows up. And it shows up at the right time but for the wrong reasons or the wrong reasons at the wrong time. No matter what you try to do, sin always shows up because it's a deteriorating deficiency that we have in our spiritual being. And our spirit is more real than our physical bodies. And so we have to realize that it's not anything.
that we can do in order to be right with God. You can do this, you can do that, you can do this. But the bottom line is, in order to get right with God, you have to accept the gift that he's given you, which is his son. And you can try any other way. You can pray all the time. You can read all the time. You can do all those things. You can go visit all the sick people. You can do all those things. But the bottom line, the real, real is you've got to accept Jesus in your life. The Bible says it like this. It says you can try any other direction, but he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He says if you try to go any other way, you're a thief and a robber, which is already your tendency because those are sin, sinful tendencies. Because we always try to look for a workaround beyond the standard that God has established. If I do it like this and I make it look like this and I can get enough people to agree with me about this, then this is what it's going to be. So it's not about how you conduct yourself, even though conduct is a result of it. It's not how much money you have, even though money is a good thing in the right hands. But it's all about your spirit being in the right position. The real, real. Yes, it's real that Jesus can save, but the real real is because we are deficient, he has to come and rescue us. Yes, yes. So when we are moving and operating during this time period, as I said before in the beginning, that this is usually a time of fasting and praying. Now, Folks have gotten to the point where they say, this is the best way, these are the things not to eat during Lent so that you can lose weight. See, the whole focus has changed. It's not about us getting closer or fasting so that the time that we usually will be preparing a meal, we can be sitting in, 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 in the presence of God. It's about what I can do for myself. And we have to get back to the old way. We got to get back to the bottom line. The bottom line is I'm deficient. The Bible tells us that the law was not to show us how to get right with God. It was showing us how far we are away from God. Those 613 commandments, them jokers would never be able to fulfill all them commandments. And God knew that. He knew that so that they would realize that they cannot do anything within themselves in order to get right with him. Yes. There's only one way. There's only one truth. It's only one life. And because of that, we will try to do everything except what we're supposed to do in order to say that we did what we're supposed to do. Y'all know... Y'all know, y'all seen it on cartoons where they're supposed to be sweeping up the, and cleaning up an area and they'll just sweep it under the rug, right? Y'all know how we do. I mean, y'all know how I do. I, I, just, I just don't do it right sometimes because I, I, I justify within myself as long as someone can't see it, then everything is okay. As, as, as long as it appears to be okay, then everything is okay. But that's not how God does business. 
God wants real to be real. He wants it to be what it is. And so we have to get that same type of mindset that I know that I have deficiencies. However, because I have Christ in my life, guess what? Them deficiencies have no relevance over my eternal life because I have Christ in my life. Now, the whole purpose of this time, of this Lenten time, is supposed to be a time that we are before the very presence of God in prayer. It's the, the fasting just happened to be something that we threw in for the discipline, but it's a time that we are communicating with God, getting to know why he loves us that much, getting to know him more intimately in how we are to conduct ourselves, getting to know him to a point where we are a true citizen of the kingdom of heaven. But all we do is watch more TV. All we do is surf a little bit more on the internet. And then we say, well, I am going to church on Sunday, so I'm okay. But are you okay compared to the standard that you set based upon the standard that you like, or are you okay based upon the standard that God has set, which we don't like? Because God's standard requires us to put away the things of this world and to spend time with him and to move in a way that will cause us to become closer and more like the image of his son. We... We, we, we establish and we understand, well, no, we don't. Uh, in the day, they established and they understood the, 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 the importance of spiritual disciplines. I am one that believes that there are levels of discipline that we have. One of my favorite disciplines, spiritual disciplines, is the discipline of silence. Just being quiet. And just listening to what? Trying to listen to nothing. Now, when you first try to do this, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get frustrated because you're just like, oh, it's just easy. I'm just sit here and be quiet. And when you finally get to the point where it's quiet around you, then you're going to hear how loud your mind is. And you're going to say, why am I thinking about all this stuff when I'm trying to be quiet? Because it's a discipline. We have to even bring our mind under subjection to the word of God. Sometimes you just got to go through your mind and you got to grab hold of thoughts and say, you go get in this corner and, 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 and be quiet. You got to go. You have to make yourself be quiet. And it don't happen in two minutes. It ain't like a microwave dinner. It takes time to do it. There were, in the days, there's documented uh, uh, priests and, and holy men that would go on a vow, what they called a vow of silence, for a decade and would not say anything for a decade in order because they wanted to hear God's voice even more. You tell somebody not to talk for a decade, 
Man, they'd be ready to fight you. You tell them not to talk for 10 seconds. And some of them will roll their I mean, I ain't talking. Okay, all right. If you know what I'm saying. There are some folks that when they try to implement discipline in their lives, they have complications. But this is a time period where we are saying, God, I want to discipline this physical and this mental body to fall subjection under my spirit and be more connected to you. That is the purpose of this time period. And it's, all, it's a time for us to remove all and any excuses. It, it shows how once we if, we, if we purpose ourselves to do something, we can apply ourselves to do something. I remember back in the day when uh, one time my mama told us that, that uh, we were going to, well, not me, my little brother, he had did something and he's getting ready to get in trouble. And so usually when she said you're in trouble, you usually get disciplined right then and there. So he thought he was good because he didn't get disciplined right then and there. I don't know what time it was that night, but my mama didn't forget. And the bad thing was we slept in the bed together. So I got a couple of them licks also. But my thing I want to bring out is God does not forget. God does not pass over and say that's okay. The standard is the standard. God's not deviating from the standard. If he says to do this, then guess what? You need to do it. So when we're looking during this time period on what we should be doing, we should be acknowledging that we were not worthy to return to the kingdom of heaven. We are not worthy to do that. But the one who is worthy reached back and said, you with me. And you can come on in. But we have to accept the gift that he provides for it. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to maybe go and, and sit in the VIP section or a very special section that they usually have guarded. And sometimes you get invited by maybe the guest of honor and they'll, they'll be trying to stop you. But as soon as they say, no, they're with me, guess what happens? You get to pass right on through. And that's the same way when we have accepted Christ in our lives and we have spent time with him and we have done those things that have helped us to become disciplined to hear the voice of the Lord. He invites us to places where we say, I, I, I could never go in that place. And he'll say, come on with me. And when you go with him, guess what? They just open up the door. And you just walk on in. You're looking around like, y'all open the door for me? No, well, yes and no. They ain't opening the door for you. They're opening the door for who you are with. Let's talk about the real, real. It's not about how we can make it look. It's about how God has already set it up. It's not about what we can do. It's about how God can empower. It's not about how we can make it, uh, uh, make people believe about it. It's about how God can change the midst of a situation. By his presence. When God shows up. 
Everything has to change. When God shows up, what we thought was the real begins to show us is not. Because God has perfect integrity. God has perfect honesty. God has perfection in every aspect of his character. And so as we can look at this, we can see that the law cannot save us. All the law can do is point fingers at you and let you know that you're wrong. That's all the law can do. But what Jesus can do, Jesus can take us from condemnation, damnation, eternal separation, and place us into the kingdom of heaven. Yes. My God, that is just, ain't nothing I can do. I remember when I used to, when I was at another church and I was uh, worked on what they called the altar ministry and folks would come up for salvation and I would say, you, do you desire to be saved today? And they say, yes. And I'd be like, okay. So what I need you to do, I need you to run around the sanctuary like five times as fast as you can. And then when you get back up here in front, I need you to do like four or five cartwheels. You think you could do that? And they'd be like, I'm not sure. I said, oh, don't worry about it. You don't have to do that. I said, because there's nothing in your own personal effort that you can do to do this. Right, amen. I said, Jesus has already got everything done for you. I know y'all was thinking like, yo, you made folks run around the church. No, I was doing it as an example. And, and I would explain to them that Jesus already did it all. I said, but all you have to do, all you have to do is realize that you are deficient, which means you are a sinner, that you have missed God's mark. And when you admit that and you accept Jesus into your life, you begin the path. And so all that five laps you was thinking about having to run, all them cartwheels you thought you had to do, nothing. It's a heart and a mouth transformation that you go through. And so we sit up here and we try, well, if I do this enough, if I do that enough, and we, we bounce back and forth, vacillating back and forth, and all he wants us to do is accept him, accept the gift. It's already been done, and we can walk in it. But now the other side of that, and I'm going to finish up with this. The other side of that is this. Once you get in the kingdom, there is something that you're purposed to do. One of those purposes is to mature into a full-fledged citizen. When you was in elementary school, There were certain expectations that they had of you in order for you to progress through elementary school. When you got to, for some of us it was junior high, some of us it was middle school, there were certain things, expectations that they had of you to progress through that level. When you got to high school, there were certain expectations that they had of you in order for you to progress through high school. When you got to college, there were certain things that they expected of you in order for you to progress to the, the next level. 
Why, if we do that with our education and our life, will we not expect that there are different levels in the kingdom of heaven? Because God wants to move us to a level of maturity so that we can help those that are coming behind us. That's why we don't have third graders in elementary school trying to educate the first graders. That's why we don't have ninth graders in the uh, high school trying to help the uh, seventh, eighth, the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Why? Because there's a certain level of maturity that we have to be at in order to assist those that are coming along so we can help them to achieve that. And there's experiences that we have not received on the lower level. I don't know about y'all, but when I first accepted Christ in my life, it would seem like every time I prayed for something, it would be like special delivery. It'd be like better than, um, what's, what's the thing? Amazon Prime. I mean, it wasn't two days. It was almost immediate. I would be like, Lord, help me with that. And boom, it would appear. And then over time, I'd be like, all right, I just pray. I pray. And I'd be like, Lord, did you hear me? I don't see it yet. Lord, did you hear me? I don't see Lord, what's, Lord, what's going on? <laughs> and then over time, it taught me that I had to be, number one, patient. I had to trust. I had to believe in. I had to know. I had to see it. Because God was maturing me into a kingdom citizen. Yes. But no, we just want to stay in the nursery school in the K-4. We ain't even in elementary. Oh, okay. No soapbox. We have to make sure that we are maturing in this. And that's why it's important for us to recognize during this season that there are some disciplines that we have to bring up. You can fast. That's why we didn't jump up and say everybody fast. Because if I jump up and say everybody fast, now you're going to fast. But it's something that should be innate in you. It should be a desire in you. Not just because the church says you need to fast. This should be a part of your lifestyle. You need to pray. Oh, it's a special time of the year. I need to pray. No, you need to be praying every day. Come on now. You know, so sometimes we, we try to set things up for a special season, but a lot of this is stuff that we should happen all the time. It should be, if we're going to be mature, then it should be a part of our lifestyle. It should be a part of our conduct. So as we go forward, that people will know that there's something special about us. Because anything that we do according to the law does not make us more righteous. It just reveals to us how much of a sinner we are and how much of a mark we're missing. And so we want during this time to recognize, yes, I know there's a lot of folks that, that jumped on this bandwagon and said, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That is the beginning. But now if you have matured in there, that's not even your, 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 your uh, should be even a part of your vernacular. Because you are now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You, you, you're not, the, you, what, what kind of sense, see? You in college, and you still talking about A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. You know what I'm saying? What kind of sense does that make? Why do we keep trying to, uh, what's that, regress back to the beginning? When we are further along, and we should be able to stand on that. We should be having maturity to knowing 
That was me in the past, but now I'm this new creature in Christ Jesus, and the old things are passed away. I was a sinner saved by grace. Now I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and able to go forth and do things because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Okay. I said I was done, but man, I stepped on that gear right there. And so we have to realize that stop trying to be the way it was and be what it is today and spend that time before the presence of God. Realizing that we have all sinned. We've all, we don't deny that. But God has given us, as we heard today, a way of escape. If you don't know 1 Corinthians, I mean 1 John 1 and 9 and can pull that out at the if you know you made a transgression, it says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse of uh, to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We have to walk in who we are. We have to walk in the real, real. That we are. New creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, all this time, I've been talking about sin. And the good thing about sin is, ain't nobody exempt from it. Sin affects us all. But the thing is, you need to have the way to overcome sin. The way to overcome sin is by accepting Jesus into your life. It's just that, and guess what? You ain't even got to do two laps. You ain't got to do no car wheels. Again, it's an easy thing to do. All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that you will be saved, which means that you are delivered, that you're set free, that you're re rescued from eternal damnation. Because it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift, Jesus of God is eternal life. I want you to accept that today because the Bible also says with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We want you to have that in your life. Then in that same set of scripture, this is how easy God makes it. It says for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is an opportunity for you today to start this new season off with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And this is the thing about it is, I say this all, I try to say this every time. This is not an individual event. This is a team sport. We will come alongside you and we will assist you along this journey. We will help to establish you in what God is doing in this world and in your life and in order for us to do that we need to make contact with you and so what we want you to do is either email us at info at godshousecc.com or you can text us and we'll get in contact with you at 864-920-0100 we will Come alongside you, assist you. I don't care where you are in the world. Let us know. We will come alongside you because we want you to have the fullness of what God has for you. However, you have to have Christ in your life in order to get that fullness.
if you, when you make that decision, contact us. Let us know, and we will come alongside you. Well, friends and family, that's our first episode of the Lent. Emptied and filled. The real real is we were sinners, but when we accepted Jesus, we became kingdom citizens. I don't want to call us saints because we done took that word and kind of jacked that up a little bit right now. So I'm going to say kingdom citizens because we have to walk as, uh, as uh, reflects the kingdom of God. Catch us next week, 642 Fairview Road, Simpsonville, South Carolina, and we will go on to episode two. And until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.